You should just say stuff about Guillermo. That sounds great. I think that's a really good plan. Okay, it's time for homework. Hopefully your dog didn't need it. That's right, Sophie. It is time for homework, <laughs> and it's time for Tell Me Why I'm Wrong, the internet's favorite podcast about why Sophie and I are wrong. Woof. Uh, <laughs> Rosie, put that down. Uh, I'm ventriloquizing your dog. That's amazing. She was she was actually, she was going, as, as my wife said, she was going ham on a bone uh, this morning. <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, this is a podcast where, uh, one of us says something and then the other one says something, says something else, back and then we switch and the other person says something and then the other person says something, which makes it unique among podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're real innovators in this, uh, in this field. We're disrupting podcast formatting with yep. our, our unique with contributions here. Our special talk and mm-hmm. ways. We've nextified podcasting. What? Mm-hmm. Did we architect it? Yep. We're making it hyper-glocal. <laughs> what? I don't even... Now you've snapped the tether. I'm just, look, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just stealing jokes from uh, Prof. Jeff Jarvis, one of, one of uh, Twitter's uh, greatest um, parody accounts. It's so great because I don't go on Twitter, so mm-hmm. all those jokes seem like... I bring you... Twitter to you. <laughs> You're like um, you're like the the Obama anger translator, except exactly. for you're my Twitter translator. Yep. Well, I feel like I'm an ambassador, like I, I or, or like like Marco Polo or or, or Gulliver. Like I traveled to, to <laughs> I travel to Twitter and bring you back uh, tales T- of this strange land. Tiny, tiny people that tied you down. There are some tiny people on Twitter, mm-hmm. like miniature. They can only say 140 characters at once. Yep, exactly. That's how so tiny their mouths fr- are. Is is I forget is is Twitter our topic today? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's our homework assignment episode that we've been so excited about for so long. Yeah, yeah. season two, episode five, mm-hmm. five homework. Uh, so uh, way back in March, we yep. assigned each other some media to consume. Yep. And today is a day of reckoning. Because we're yep. going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Um, so uh, Sophie assigned to me to watch uh, a bunch of episodes of Community, and I assigned to her to watch two Guillermo del Toro movies. Um, and I, so, for bonus, watched a third. Yeah, right. Which was a rewatch for you, right? The it third was. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we can, you know, we can throw in a little Hellboy talk too, just for fun. Yeah, because it's great. Okay, so uh, I want to get us started here. So, listeners, if you haven't watched these things, just know that you should. And yeah. um, there might be spoilers. There's definitely there definitely going to be spoilers. For sure. Be, because how are you not going to do that? I'm going to be honest, Sophie. Like, I like you, but I'm not really interested in having a spoiler-free conversation no. with you about these movies. Why would liking me have anything to do with that? Well, I mean, just like I like talking to you, but I, that's just not a conversation. No, that's not why have. we did this. Yeah. No. So, And that's also that's why we sp- gave you a heads up so that right. you could go and watch this stuff. So if you don't want to be spoiled, just turn it off right now and go watch the thing and then come back. Uh, correct. Not you, watch the th- Okay. No, I watched the things, basically. <laughs> okay, so you're back. You watched them? Okay, good. Let's get started. Hi, Sophie. <laughs> I assigned two movies to you by the Mexican director Guillermo del Toro, and I'd like to explain why and lay out some questions that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Yes. So... Uh, big picture, uh, Guillermo del Toro is probably my favorite director working today. 
there's just something about his spirit and sensibility that really speaks to me. And knowing how much you love Hellboy, uh, 2004, uh, which one of his movies, uh, I thought maybe his movies would also speak to you. Because uh, I, I think I think prior to this, Hellboy was the only movie mm-hmm. of his you'd seen. Or maybe you'd seen Hellboy 2. I have seen Hellboy 2. Okay, so Hellboy and Hellboy 2 were the only ones you'd seen. Um, now you've got a couple others. So first up is uh, Pan's Labyrinth from 2009. And I've wanted to talk to you about this movie for ages because it seemed like it's right in your wheelhouse in a couple of ways. First up, uh, one of its themes is conflict between fascism or authoritarianism and uh, liberal humanism, which I think is something that you care about. Mm -hmm. And it's set during uh, Hitler times, as you put it, uh, a time that you (laughs) study professionally. (laughs) <laughs> and it's about fairy tales and folk stories, which I know you also have an interest in, and which I think you draw on in some of your own creative work. You got it. And I also think this movie Accurate. is a masterpiece. Um, so there's just a, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, and then the second movie I assigned, I, so I, I knew I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to assign uh, Pacific Rim, or sorry, uh, uh, Pan's Labyrinth. I wasn't quite sure what I wanted my other movie to do to be. I decided to go with Pacific Rim. Uh, which I I have more complicated feelings about, like besides the the sort of unalloyed uh, adoration that I have for Pan's Labyrinth. Um, but I, I wanted to pick a movie that would sort of capture the sort of like the other pull of Del Toro's filmmaking because I, I think he is is sort of like a uh, people talk about him as as being sort of bipolar, where he has sort of like small, mostly Spanish language movies that are very artsy, and then he has like big budget genre movies. Um, and there are lots of people who like the artsy movies, but don't like the genre movies. So, so I want to, I wanted a movie that would capture that other side of things. And I think, I think Pacific Rim is maybe the purest distillation of that other pole of his uh, movie making. Now I, 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 I don't think there's as much of a, of a gap between those two modes as as some critics do but we we can talk about that later but so so i assigned pacific rim uh from 2014 uh and and for this movie i'm 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 looking to help you i'm I'm looking for help from you to understand my own reaction to it so the first time i saw the movie i i liked it but i didn't i I liked it all right but i didn't love it um i was kind of like okay that was fine but then there were just some of these images in the movie that got lodged in my brain and I just couldn't stop thinking about them. And like, eventually I went back and bought the movie and watched it a bunch more times. And I totally love it now. Uh, but I'm not sure that it's good. Uh, you know, the, the script is pretty creaky. I think the ending is a little bit of a muddle and some of the acting is, is uh, let's say rough. Um, but there's also this weird humanism in, in this movie about giant robots fighting giant monsters. Um, that I think is compelling. So some questions here. <clears throat> One, how awesome is Pan's Labyrinth? <laughs> Two, uh, a little more specific. Uh, there's a lot of imagery in the movie that implies that Ophelia, the, the main character, uh, wants to return to her mother's womb. And I've never been quite sure what to make of that or, or how to relate it to the sort of broader political themes. Um, the, or I guess not even political, but just the, sort of the broader themes of the movie. So I want to talk about that. Three, is Pacific Rim a good movie? Four, 
do the humanist values in Pacific Rim undermine the emotional response to the movie? So, and and I, I can unpack this question a lot because I think there's there's sort of a lot of underpinnings, uh, a, a lot of sort of assumptions and in, in context to it. But I'll leave it at that for now. And then uh, number five, what do we make of the character of Mako Mori from Pacific Rim, who's who's I would say like the second main character. Um, though in some ways, you know, the emotional heart of the movie. And I I think you could make an argument that she's actually the main character, even though the movie is sort of centered on uh, on um, Raleigh. A- anyway, those are my questions. Uh, feel free to ignore them and just jump in with like your own thoughts or address them in order or whatever. <laughs> Uh, I totally want to address them. I didn't write them down, so but they're sort of floating I, I wrote in my them brain. Down. I yeah, I, I, I gotcha. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say like this might surprise you, but I actually liked Pacific Rim a lot, and I actually liked it a lot more than I liked Pam's Labyrinth. Fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess well let's start with Pacific Rim then. What what did you like so much about it? Well, let, I mean. I, uh, I kind of want to just elaborate a little bit on, well, I mean, hmm. <sighs> so p- my main question about Pacific Rim, because, because your question was sort of like, is it good? I thought, I yeah. thought, I mean, yes, sure. Um, I kind of, I, I, f- I felt a lot as I was watching, it, I couldn't tell whether it was like your basic sort of large scale alien aliens versus robots movie that like had been sort of like immeasurably improved by some really interesting kind of like world building and pretty great characters. There's some amazing world building in that. Yeah. Yeah. And some like really interesting concepts. And of course, like because it's still tour, some really beautiful cinematography, but like, again, like really interesting characters with sort of like a, a, a really kind of, seemingly original to me anyway because i don't watch a ton of these movies like a seemingly original kind of like um world and backstory yes or, no it is i think it is very original in as someone who does watch these movies like yeah I think there's there's some really interesting stuff going on there yeah or is it like a sort of dystopia like a, a comedic a dark comedic dystopia hmm. about some really interesting characters in a really interesting world that was kind of ruined by like way too many fight scenes and sort of like you said a, an ending that kind of like it's just sort of apocalyptic and and like kind of borrows from i don't know the matrix or something like everybody sort of dies but they save the world which i guess is kind of typical for movies like this yeah like, I, I couldn't quite tell like like it's obviously sort of like this hybrid of these two things and I, of course, being me, wanted more of the, like, characters and, like, this is just sort of their world and this is how they live and this is what they do. And, yes, of course, there has to be an intensification and a climax, but at the same time, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of just, like, about this situation that they're in and the relationships that they right. have. I so mean, I let, thought- me, let me just pause right there I, to, to just, like, emphasize what you're saying. Like, I think I think the the world building, like, I think they, and, and this was something that was very conscious on the filmmakers. They really wanted to make uh, a world that felt lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. Yeah, which they did. And, and specifically, you know, this was one of the things that, that set the original Star Wars apart from a lot of other sci-fi movies mm-hmm. that had come before it. Uh, the sense that that the world looked lived in and things looked broken and repaired and dirty, yeah, right. Um, and 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 that just gives you this sense of like of a of a world bigger than the movie. 
Mm-hmm. And and that's something that they were really trying to capture, and specifically th- with Star Wars as a model in making Pacific Rim. And I think they really really succeeded. And and it makes you want to, uh, I for me anyway, it makes me want more stories. Yeah, absolutely. It, it reminded me. I'm sure you've watched it. Have you? You've watched the show Firefly. You know, I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen like actually, I think I watched like the first three or four episodes with you, and I've I've oh okay when we were yeah, together, I, and I've I, seen I, Serenity I, a couple times. I really. Oh, I do not like the movie Serenity at all. Love it. Do not like it. But I like I, it way I, more than the show. Oh, well, okay. So this is like, we're going to have to do a like movies versus TV, like throw down at some point. Yeah, but okay. I mean, probably it's because I, I like TV better, but right. I, I like that that world. I, feels... I think TV is actually hashtag actually bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that means, but, but back to our, anyway, <laughs> it's, the point it's is a Twitter thing. You wouldn't understand. I wouldn't. Um, but you're my Twitter explainer. So you're whatever. We'll sidebar. Anyway, the point is not only does it look lived in, in the way that you mean sort of like worn, worn in or worn down and like bigger than the movie, it also feels or big, you know, like the world is sort of like you were saying bigger than you see a slice of it, but it's a whole existing thing. Right. I, I like the idea of lived in, in a different way, which is sort of like a little bit domestic, a little bit day to day. Like there is a sort of day to day running of this project. And even though there are some people who are, their job is to like these do combat and be these heroes. There's other people who are like, their job is to like fix the foot of the guy. Yeah. Yeah, And there's all this kind of like, this is just what we do. And this is the world we have. And even though it's an apocalyptic world, it's still like people have to like eat and go to the bathroom. Right. They're like (laughs) hanging out in the cafeteria together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's part of the humanism that I see in the movie where where the movie has these heroes but it's clear it's clear that it's a team effort yeah and even and though that's the... re- that's really really prominent in the movie that that, yeah. that these people yeah. can't do it alone that's right well specifically they really i mean you you learn that in the first like minute of the movie oh, oh be- with the, the whole drift thing yeah because yeah, like right. it'll kill you like you can't do it yep. but but even though but the... even 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 like with the mechanics and the support yeah people yeah of course and, and tenzo back at the base telling them everyone what's going on yeah like, yeah i love tenzo uh, is he the guy with the bow tie? Yep, in the sideburns. I have to say, I really like the scientists. I thought they oh, were such a great. Yeah. Like you don't get that, and 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 like I know you said some of the acting is clunky, but I think those are some pretty good performances. No, I, I love the science. I love. I love. I do Charlie too. Day and I forget the other guy's name. Yeah. So I mean, I think the idea is like even though the Jaeger are sort of like literally larger than life, the people who are doing this mission sort of aren't. Like they're just regular people who have to do this uh larger than life thing yeah i think that's right i think that's right and yeah 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 so wait what were your some of your other questions well was it actually yeah it's good i think it's good i mean i think it sets itself a certain task and it acquits itself of that task really well i think it like it's really original i'm glad to hear that you think so too because because you know the genre better i mean i thought i thought there were some missed opportunities like like all this, um, like the drift thing is mm-hmm. so interesting. And so it's like, so there's so much potential there and they, they don't do as much with it as I wanted. Like, for example, yeah. like there are these endless fight scenes and you know, like, this is just my thing, but like, I find them boring. I just, I'm like, okay, like these guys are fighting, whatever. I'm going to like go get a snack. But, um, <laughs> I wondered why all the fights were from this sort of like om- omniscient position. Like you're the audience and you're just watching, but actually wouldn't it be so interesting to see like what it feels like to be like, they're connected. They're in what, each other's like brains. In the drift, in, yeah. In while you're yeah. fighting. I mean, right, you, right. you get like, 
what that what's that about like that's so mm-hmm. fascinating and they really oh, don't do very much with it at all like you're always sort of outside of the fight watching it which i know is sort of like the thing but i thought it could have been so much cooler they invented this thing and then they don't give you very much of the experience of it beyond like a couple of you know like i'm experiencing your trauma you're experiencing my trauma and where does that go like they they never really resolve it it's not like right like she has this kind of like uh like ptsd like dissociative moment and then and then they talk and he's like you have to trust the other person and she's like okay and that's the end of that like i did that was a little but but i'm not trying to be like i'm not feeling i mean i am feeling critical but i think it's because there's so much potential and i like wanted it to be developed more and i thought so they have this uh right so so mako has this sort of ptsd response where she gets trapped in her memory of you know the day her parents were killed by the the uh i believe that one is named onibaba um <laughs> which is a, the name of a japanese witch um like baba yaga i think so interesting uh, and that like just to p- point of comparison i mean that scene where she's wearing that sort of short almost like 50 style coat. blue coat and like she has this kind of blunt haircut and she's wandering around yep. that was such a pan's labyrinthine moment uh yeah right 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 yeah so so i go i would say the 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 one a couple things happen after that mm-hmm. that I, maybe resolution isn't the right word because mm-hmm. i i don't think she ever really does resolve right. her hurt and, and and pain from that which i think is part of the point mm-hmm. but she talks to um raleigh about it and and they're sitting there talking like they they both leave the cafeteria and mm-hmm. they're talking looking out over at gypsy danger mm-hmm. and she she says something about um seeing gypsy danger's heart yeah like, when was the last time you saw her heart and so they sort of like have this this like moment of connecting mm-hmm. around um yeah around their the their pain and um and sort of like opening their hearts to each other there mm-hmm. um and oh and and stacker gives her her shoe back right doesn't he do that before i can't remember when he's oh, telling her it? that she gets to be a pilot he gives her the shoe oh yeah I no, i think you're right and that's interesting think like right. thinking of fairy tales i mean that's sort of like a cinderella moment yeah. a little bit but yeah, yeah right so she, she gets the shoe back and it's like she has two right everything is sort of doubled right she has two shoes but she's been missing one and there's like they're each miss i mean he's missing his brother who's this yep. who's his his pilot his co-pilot yeah um yeah so there's kind of like a reparation there yeah yeah um so what do you think of mako as a character because I mean, she's she's controversial is she i don't want to say the wrong thing i mean i i liked her i, I I, 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 I love. I mean, I love her. I think she's great. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I mean, it was such a Del Toro moment when she kind of emerges out from underneath that umbrella, because oh, I yeah. mean, he, he loves, loves those there's like uh, almost black umbrellas with rain on them. And, and, almost the same shot in Hellboy. Yeah, and right at uh, Professor Broom's funeral. Right, and there's also um, there's like a lot of umbrellas in the rain in um, Pan's Labyrinth as well. Yep. Yeah, no, that's true. So he likes umbrellas. He in likes the rain. umbrellas in the rain, and they're beautiful shots. They're really and and. I mean, I actually remember, like the. I think it was the last time I saw Pacific Rim, the whole time through. I think I, I was I I noted that shot where, where where she comes out from under the black umbrella, and and I was thinking about Hellboy, and that's a like specifically that's a funeral in mm-hmm. Hellboy, and it just got me thinking about like, oh, she's sort of still at her yeah, like maybe her parents' funeral, right? And I think there. it's the the captain who's under the umbrella 
in um, Pan's Labyrinth. He's like, yep. he's sort of like, and, and he's this Right, guy. and he's sort of trapped at like his father's death. Yeah, like, with, with the, the watch. The stopped clock. Right, the stopped yeah, watch. and he's yeah. also like kind of this angel of death a little bit. Um, yeah, with this, those glasses that he wears. He's bad. He I, don't, I don't like he him. Is. Captain Vidal. He's bad. But, but, um, but so, so you like Mako? I do. I mean, I was so, a little bit worried. You know, there's like a lot of pitfalls that you could, like, you could imagine. Oh, bigly. But, but, <laughs> God. And, um, but, I mean, a little, there was a little part of me that was like, I don't know. I mean, so, um, Raleigh's trauma has to do with the death of a peer, right? His brother. And, hers is all about like being a child and it's a parental story. And like, Mm -hmm. that made me a little bit like, okay, so like she's sort of, she's sort of the eternal child. She can't grow, whatever. Like, I don't know the gender, the gender stuff there would like put me on alert. I was like, "Ah, am I going to hate this? Yeah, yeah. But she's actually, I I really like her as a character. I like that she's so subdued, right? Like a lot of times women superhero types. I mean, I know she's not a superhero, but like she is a little bit like they they have to be so sort of like, ass all the time and it's exhausting yep. and i love right where they can't show any sort of vulnerability yeah yeah whatever. and i love yeah. i love that she like that moment when he says something about obey like we don't have to obey and she says right. it's not obedience it's, it's respect. respect and that's such a beautiful that. mo- i thought that was a really beautiful moment and like i love that she knows the difference i mean she's not right. she she knows that there's a difference and she knows like the choices that she's making i, I liked that moment i and i yeah i liked her a lot i thought she was a good character Yep. No, I, I I agree with all that. I would have liked and, if there was, you, like, maybe any other woman character to be contrasted with, like, to just yes. be, be around, but, like... Right. But, the yeah. Only, I mean, the only other woman in the movie, really, is... is uh, Shoot, I can't remember her name now. The Russian Yeah, she has, Russian like, one pilot. line, and who cares? It's Yeah, it's something like, I'll kill you all, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> she just sort of, like, screams that she's getting killed by... <laughs> by the monsters uh i i do think i do think they're kind of great though uh the russians uh yeah another kind but, of like i wanted to see where that like what was up with them totally, like when he, when he totally. says like the russians can get us anything and i was like what's that about you know it never goes anywhere i mean it's just explaining how they got the nuclear bomb right right uh you know and i think the other the other big thing is is you know that raleigh and mako at the end don't kiss right and they 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 shot I think three different versions of that scene like one where they kissed one where they I think just hugged and then the one that's in the movie where they sort of hug and then touch foreheads mm-hmm. which I love it's like a great sort of ambiguously yeah. intimate moment it's, right it actually this is so interesting I hadn't thought of this before we've talked about this before at the end of the born identity they also don't kiss they hug. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Right, where when when he shows up at Marie's right, and he, he um, asks to, to rent a moped, right, and she asks if you have yeah. any ID, and he says no, and then they they hug, and it's uh, there's something like kind of great about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, with with Mako and uh, Raleigh, it's you know, there's sort of like hints that their relationship is starting to go in a romantic way. Right, but, but who it's not cares? Really They've developed. already been inside each other's brains. I mean, like what? Exactly. <laughs> right. Like there's this certain level of, inti- like a really yeah. high level in- of intimacy that are already there. Anyway, I think it's a really, really great moment. Uh, but I think there are, I think there are people who, there are, there are people who, who have sort of criticized the movie for one, like not having other women with like lines <laughs> and two, um, uh, that Mako is sort of like a caricature of like, you know, like this submissive Japanese mm-hmm, woman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which I I get, but I think sort of ignores the actual movie <laughs> in a way. It's like, yes, that's a part of her personality, but there's like so much more going on with her that's uh, really well you're, developed. You're kind of I breaking think. up a little bit. I'm only getting like every third word, it sounds like. Oh, man, you're, miss- you're probably missing the I'm good I'm missing ones, like too. your brilliance. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's like, that's a criticism to be made. I don't feel like I'm enough of a th- an authority on any of these things to make it. Like, I don't know enough about like Japanese culture or representations of Japanese culture mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. J- movies like this. I mean, she doesn't say very much, so it's hard to know like who she really well, is, but no one in the movie says very much, right? It's not like right. a, it's not like it's big it's not on a real talking. Talky movie. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I think the question is like, does, does she feel like a real person in the, in the context of the movie? And I, I, I think she, I does. think she feels I, as real as any of them feels, do. Yeah, I mean, they I all feel she, like a cartoon. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right. Um, in a way. Yeah. And I think like, there's a concern to be had that like, okay, yeah, they all feel like a concern, but I'm less concerned about the stereotypical Australian man, like white Australian man than I am yeah, about right. her as like the only woman, the only like character of, I mean, they're like, there's all these scenes in Hong Kong, right? But there's like sort of no other characters of Asian descent at all that are like, serious. right. There's right. the so, Chinese twins who play basketball and get killed and that's about it. Yeah, they're triplets, right? So I, well, yeah, well, you sound like you were about to say something. Well, so I just like, I have a, I have like, I like the movie so much, I kind of want to see it again, but I I do have like a concern that it, or like a slight not, not liking it so much that actually goes across all the movies by Del Toro that I've seen, which is Mm. his conception of evil. Okay. So, I mean, like, these creatures, right? They come through the thing. They're bad. They have to be killed. We have some vague sense that they're, like, colonizers. They're just killing everyone. Um, I don't know. I like my sci-fi a little, like, a little more complex. I mean, how do we know they're just that? Like, they don't know anything about them. And similarly, like, in Pan's Labyrinth, there's, like, the very bad, sadistic guys who are who are fascist which is like i think a perfectly uh acceptable characterization right like fascism does have this kind of like sadistic violence at its heart um but the partisans right the soldiers who are sort of in the hills are like they're so good and i mean yeah like even the kind of like um the way that it's aesthetically represented, like the captain and the, and the fascist, like they have blood on them all the time. Like anytime they do anything violent, it's like that blood just like stays on them constantly. But the mm-hmm. partisans, like when they, when they shoot the captain at the end, it's like surgical. It barely, I mean, when you shoot someone, I'm sorry to like say it so graphically, but like if you shoot someone in the face at point blank range, like you don't just like, they, they have, it's like you're, they're so clean all the time and they're so like we're supposed to just sort of believe that they're like the good guys and again like they are we have to believe that if they're this is the spanish civil war they are partisans so they they are democrats of some kind they believe in some kind of democracy or they're socialists i mean they may even be authoritarian socialists we don't know but they're like it's as if they have no i mean they're it's as if they can do nothing 
wrong. Yeah, they're a little, they're a little romanticized. Yeah, I and I and yeah, I, I, agree I feel with even in Hell, Hellboy, like the crux of Hellboy is like Hellboy comes through the portal and he's supposed to be this demon, and even though he's kind of like crotchety and a badass, he's actually like a good guy and i guess i mean he's clearly he's clearly a good he's guy. clearly yeah. a good guy and they like try to make him be evil but like uh, it doesn't really work so i guess that's a nature versus nurture thing or something but sure. everything I mean, that's, else that's thing in is just like it's evil kill it and i don't know like it seems so like if you're good then whoever you're fighting has got to be evil and you should fight them and kill them but if you're bad doing those same things is like what makes you evil it just seems like kind of morally not it doesn't seem to hold up very well uh i think i think that's really interesting um i i do think that's a weakness of pan's labyrinth that the that the partisans the the depiction of the partisans um i mean i like i like mercedes i like the doctor like they're likable characters but yeah um yeah, I'm more considered about like concerned about like the the brother, the brother, brother, right? Like he's and, just a... and the guy who gets his leg yeah, amputated yep. and that whole and crew. the guy who like gets tortured and he's in the thing. Or, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The guy with the the stammer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of me wants to say like that's just like you can tell a movie that's you can you can make a movie about the Spanish Civil War that's about how like people on both sides do bad things. But that's just a total. That's just a different movie. Yeah, but it's interesting because like the labyrinth world that she's in appears to be so ambiguous. Like it's not like it's dark mm-hmm. and it's weird. And there's some like right, really and you're not bad. Sure who to trust. Yeah, there's like some bad guys in there, and it's not clear even if the 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 fawn is like good or evil, and it's dark yeah. and it's ambiguous. But somehow, like the world above the labyrinth is very. It's very clear. Well, I think I, I think there's a lot to say about that because I think I think I think part of what the movie is doing is inverting expectations around what's like what a fairy tale world is like versus what the real world is like. That's interesting. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's I think there's a, a few different ways where that it, where it does that. Like like the real monster is is the real life guy yeah. versus you know the the quote unquote monsters of of the fairy tale world and. Blah, blah, blah. But it's also interesting because, uh, like, presumably the partisans are fi- are fighting for some kind of right. They're they're the the loyalists, so they're they're fighting for the republic. Um, but like underneath in the labyrinth world, it's like it's a monarchy, right? Like her whole thing yeah, is right. that she gets to be a princess. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What yeah, to I don't that. either. Um, so I've, I've, before we before we totally get into Pan's yeah. Labyrinth, though, I do I, I've got one other question here that I that I mentioned, where I, you know the the question of the, the humanist values of the movie undermine the emotional res- response that we might have to it. What do you so mean? So here's yeah. So here's what I'm thinking about yeah. with this. Um, this movie be, sort of because of the content and when it came out gets gets um compared and contrasted a lot with the transformers movies by michael bay which i've not seen which i i haven't seen them anyway but i've seen a lot of other michael bay movies mm. so i sort of know his mode as a filmmaker and I, are you familiar with michael bay nope. at all well i, I don't know okay. what does he do he did the rock with uh nicholas cage and sean connery uh did he do con air he might have done con air he did armageddon okay. don't know don't yeah. know him okay so 
he does a lot of um he does he does very big broad movies that tend to have a lot of sort of patriotic themes and he's he's like a master of using like magic hour lighting this sort of golden lighting with like uh shots of where like the uh, the camera sort of like zooms around a person standing in one place looking tough he's he's got a really dynamic mm. style but it's also it's also very chaotic and and incoherent but but i think he's um if there's a sort of filmmaking that's sort of uh how to put this i uh i think he's i think there's something sort of uh i hesitate to use this word but i'll just use it for i think there's something a little fascistic about his hmm. filmmaking in in the way that he sort of like uh glorifies strength and um and like power hmm. and uh um nationalism uh and obviously like i don't know i feel like you know fascistic is probably more specific than i really need to be here but there's like something there's something jingoistic mm-hmm. about and about, it's aesthetic it sounds like yeah yeah exactly and and i i'm thinking of yeah that, and a kind of, of like deeply aesthetic nationalism can can make your fascism radar tingle a little bit yeah mm-hmm. exactly and it's and it's like yeah right Nas- like aesthetic nationalism plus like this like worship of power yeah or, or aestheticized uh, let's say but yeah okay yeah 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 so so I'm thinking of the scene toward the end like just just before the uh, sort of heading into the third act of Pacific Rim where where Stacker gives his like Henry V speech. yeah we're canceling the apocalypse mm-hmm. yep yep be he ne'er so vile blah 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 um and that speech like emotionally just doesn't doesn't quite land no and i actually got really sad when i was hearing that speech because just given like what's been happening in our world with the the paris um accord and the climate stuff Mm -hmm. i was sort of like yeah okay i'd like to cancel the apocalypse too but as as far as i can tell that's about diplomacy and talking and compromises and planning and ideas and inventions and sacrifices and you know it's like it's not going to be like some guys in a suit with a bomb that's that's not what it's going to be it's just not and like sure yeah so i was kind of like well this doesn't do it for me probably for a different reason than for you but like similar it's like okay okay like yeah yeah sure great but that's not how these things that's not how we save our world yeah fair enough though though i would say like within the world of the movie there was a lot of like planning and cooperation yeah but also like you know what i mean maybe like like that's stuff like i think is 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 it but couldn't they like again, just sort of drift like with the thing? brain of the guys and then be like don't come to our world anymore we don't like it no. i mean that would have been that would have been one way to end the movie <laughs> oh you you really should watch um you really should finish dr strange i should but i mean yeah, i yeah, also yeah, yeah. you know this is just i i am not a big fan of science fiction generally but you know when i when yeah. i am i you know i'm sort of like i'm in the the doctor who camp you know right in the words yeah. of amy pond you could have killed a star whale oh you don't never yeah, watch okay. that okay never mind but right no, like no, no, no. don't don't assume i see right 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 uh that makes yeah. sense um but i guess my my point was that i feel like there's something a little off about i don't want to say off but there's the understated about the aesthetics of that speech hmm. where like it feels like it feels just like a little bit too short, 
Like it mm. needed to be a little bit longer. And there's a way like he's like standing above all the people talking. But like there's the the way that that speech Again, I think the the framing of the of the the shot is to sort of capture the sort of like group effortness mm. of it. But like I feel like when you've got like the 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 leader giving an inspiring speech like to get like the emotional effect this the, it needs to be like uh like putting more of a of an emphasis on that guy mm. does it, am i making yeah, sense yeah you're here? totally making you know sense I mean? I mean i didn't i didn't like you need more of that fascist that <laughs> fascist aesthetic more fascism to, to, says amos to sell to sell the speech there uh and that's i feel like or or that's that's a that's a hypothesis. Yeah, anymore. I don't know. I, I mean yeah, that I didn't I didn't love that scene, but I, I don't think it was necessarily for that reason. I don't know that it would have been mm-hmm. impro- for me anyway, would it would have been improved by that sort of thing. By more fashion. By more no, probably not. Um Yeah, I don't know. I mean I do think they're like there is like they're they're trying to disrupt some of those conventions of like uh, of yeah. that sort of like and I guess I guess my 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 hunch is that those conventions exist for a reason <laughs> because there's some sort of like visceral emotional power to them. I don't them. know. Have you watched a and, lot of Eisenstein? I mean, they, I've only seen uh, Battleship Patan. Okay, because I think like I mean he's sort of trying to do something similar where it's like okay we have these leaders but it's really not about the leaders or or it is but like also it's about the people and the mass and so I don't know maybe there's something there but um, yeah that that scene didn't I didn't. It, it was sort of neither here, here nor there for me. Um, I didn't think he needed to die. I didn't think everybody needed to die so much. That just seemed like um, unnecessarily emotionally manipulative or something. But I don't hmm. know. I don't. I don't. I wish everyone could just live. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, can we talk about the womb thing in Pan's yeah. Labyrinth? Yeah, let's go. So for I it. didn't notice that specifically, but what I did notice is Well, can I can I just yeah. point out like a couple couple of things that bring up like there's there's the shot of her leaning her head on her mother's yep. belly and then it like zooms into the mother's belly yep. and then it transitions into the story right. about the the flower on the on the mountain. Uh and then the tree, the fig tree that yep. the frog lives into, she's like crawling into a vagina there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's pretty, well, so I was like gonna that, s- the opening in the tree is pretty clearly a vagina. I was going to say, there's like a lot of imagery. There's just a lot of like kind of female reproductive, you know, because yeah, like the blood on yes, the page. Everything like makes a sort of like fallopian tube and uterus mm-hmm. shape. And, um, there's yeah. all this stuff and like, there's lots of blood and obviously her mother being pregnant and all these kinds of things. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I thought it was really interesting. I, the only thing I could, kept thinking was like, there's, it's, it's really interesting that there's all this kind of like feminized imagery, but at the same time, it does not at all seem like a movie. This is not how a woman would have made that movie. And I know that doesn't go like, that's neither here nor there. and doesn't go very far. Like as well, a, as a, like a, a, an aesthetic judgment or something, but I kept thinking about Jane Campion and like how sort of like interestingly female her movies always are. And I was like, this isn't that, like, this is not that so- at all. I think I think you're right, and I and and this was sort of coming to my mind as we were talking about Mako in in Pacific Rim. I think, and also I guess when we had our our IRL conversation about about troll hunters, when I told you yeah. to watch and you asked if there were any women, in, in <laughs> he it. said well, there was, but she's like it right. takes a so while th- to get there. Yeah, she's a great character. It takes a while for her to sort of get like pulled into the main story. But so I think I think Guillermo del Toro is interested in women and women's stories mm-hmm. but i but but i think his movies tend to take place in men's mm-hmm. worlds 
mm-hmm. uh, and they they feel like mm-hmm. men's men's mm-hmm. worlds, and and they're they feel like men's men's movies that have women in them, and they're good female characters, and they're well developed, but they usually feel like exceptions. Yeah, and they don't. I mean, you could make a movie about a woman in a man's world. A man could make it, or a woman could make, who anyone could make it, but like. Uh, that piece could be more explicit, right? It feels like there are women in men's yeah. worlds, but there's no acknowledgement of that fact. It's not like, oh, and this is, there's no subjectivity. It's like, and this is what it feels like to be a woman in a man's world. Yeah. Like it doesn't, that sort of doesn't. I think doesn't... Pan's Labyrinth has more of that than other Maybe a little movies. bit more. Like, like I'm specifically, I'm thinking of Mercedes yeah. and like her perspective as like, like the way she's ignored and underestimated mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. captain because she's a, a woman and. He's housekeeper. Uh, sort of a domestic yeah. Sort of, yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and the way she takes advantage yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I think broadly speaking, I think you're right. And I think you see that in, in a lot of his movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even with Liz and, um, and Hellboy. Right. She's, she's the, the yep. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know where to go with that. Okay. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's, you know, everyone has shortcomings as filmmakers. And I think, I think you could say that that's one of his. Yeah. Like he's he's scrupulous about including women, but but yeah, they they're women who are visiting in a way. <laughs> That's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, and yet they don't seem to have any awareness of that. Yeah, right. Like they just they're yep. not they're not like. And this feels weird. Another day where this feels weird. You know, it's sort of like. It's it that's there's not that's not there. But um, but no, I mean, well, I, I have to say, like, I like Pacific Rim very much. I like yeah, the Pan's Labyrinth less. So so what uh what didn't work for you? I about mean, Pan's I totally agree with you. It's the kind of movie that at least at some point in my life I would have loved because it I mean, I think it was always going to be hard for me to watch because it's very violent and that's like that's not my favorite. Yeah. But, uh, right. There are there are like the th- the three scenes that are like shockingly yep, violent. Yep. And you're like, "Oh god." And they make you cringe and in the first one like really Comes you out know, of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't know it's a very happening. tense and it's, moment. And it's the worst. Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's like, like you, the most you know that something part. bad is going to happen, but you didn't know it was going to be like that terrible. Right. You didn't know a dude was going to get his face smashed in with a wine yeah, bottle. Yeah, specifically his eyes like poked out. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, something about the, it was like, there's a combination of all these things, but it felt like a little bit gratuitous. It was like, okay, so like we're going to examine the Spanish civil war through the eyes of a child who's having this weird, uh, fairy tale adventure. Um, but like, I don't know. It sort of didn't fit together somehow for me. Yeah. Like, like it felt like over, overstuffed or like the, the fairy tale side didn't, if, didn't have anything to do with the a, real world side. A little side bit or? more like that. And then I think also just like, it felt a little bit like he, this is a director who like wanted to do these things. And so he did them, but like, it didn't really like, didn't really sort of, it was like, it was very idiosyncratic in that way. It was like, this is like. It was like being inside of his brain or something. And like, these are mm-hmm. the things that are in there and that's really cool. But like, it doesn't sort of like hook together in a way that like, that like says something about either the Spanish civil war or, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like female darkness or something. Like, it's just sort of like, I mm-hmm. didn't know what was happening, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think also like it may not have aged that well as a film. Have you seen it recently? It's probably been 
I don't know. Year I or think two? there's a lot of like virtuosity and like flourishes in the kind of like CGI stuff that like now you're oh. like, okay, like the bug turns into a fairy, whatever. I've seen this like 50 times, you know, but I think probably when it was yeah. new, it was like more amazing and shocking and sort of like, I know, I don't, I don't think, or, or, or like, like at a technical yeah. level, I don't think, I don't think the special effects were ever anything very impressive. Mm. Like this, this was not a big budget movie. Um, and there are like definitely like like the frog always looked like garbage. <laughs> that, um, well, again, like the frog explodes. Like she can't make friends with the frog. Like this is supposed to. Like, that was a last minute change. Interesting. And I'm trying to remember what they basically they didn't have the money to do what they wanted to do. And I'm trying to remember if it was a puppet frog or if the whole thing in there was different. And I can't remember. But that was a last minute change. And and it, I think it's I think it is a little bit. Uh, a little bit weaker yeah. than the rest of the it's, movie. I, you know what's interesting about uh, like all three of these movies? Well, no, maybe not. Yeah, I guess all three of them, but even like um, Hellboy, like there's some pieces that are so like viscerally disgusting in that movie and all of them and it's so interesting because there's also this beauty like the beauty of that shot with the umbrella like there's so many like gorgeous like really clean moments and then there's like so much like that sound that's like the smushy sound of like going in the brain um or like or like when she's in the tree and she's covered in mud and like she just gets mud it's just like it's muddier and muddy like it's over the top like it's so gross i think or like the eggs those little eggs in, in yeah Hellboy, or where they're like pulling them out of his forearm ugh, or the part where like they're they have that um corpse that it's like its spine is like hanging out oh, of the, oh my god like i i, love I really cannot watch that movie and like eat popcorn at the same time because it's like yeah. so gross but it's so interesting like why do you think he's so interested in that in this like disgust i think he thinks the gross stuff is beautiful yeah that's interesting. So, I mean, I don't think he thinks that the smashing the brain in is beautiful. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's making a different point there. But, like, I think he, he loves his monsters. Uh, and he loves the gross things that monsters mm-hmm. do. Uh, and he definitely loves Ivan. Yeah. Uh, I think Ivan was maybe his favorite I part sort of, of loved – I know you're supposed to be really scared of the guy in Pencil Labyrinth who's sitting at the table and he has the eyes in his oh, hands. The pale man. Yeah, I know he's supposed to be really creepy, but I, I like – I felt a little bit of, I found him a little appealing. I, I like wanted him to be like, okay, like maybe he'll just, maybe he'll be like a kindly, I mean, obviously he's not, he's like horrifying, but like, is, I don't know. Yeah. I do think like there's the right, he does love his monsters. He loves his monsters. And that's, I mean, that's and he was very Dolly-esque, right? Like that sort of those like weird, like thin melting legs, that guy. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the, the, he's, he was sort of modeled on a painting, um, Saturn devouring his mm. children. And I'm trying to remember who painted that. Mm. Um, hey, I want to talk about oh, Saturn Devou- Goya. Okay, sure, sure. Saturn devouring his son. Um, uh, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but maybe we should say a few more things and then switch to our next topic. That sounds great. Um, a few more things. I mean, I guess, I guess I would just say that, 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 that love that he has for like weird gross stuff is part of what I part of what I love about his movies. Yeah. That's part of what I find really appealing. But the weird gross stuff is never redeemed. Like other than Hellboy, it's like it's like Del Toro loves the weird gross stuff, but like the heroes don't love it. Like their job is to like smash it or smoosh it. Like why don't the monsters hmm. ever become like why can't they be So I would say I would say at some point if you want to watch some more Del Toro, you, you might want to check out Crimson Peak. Okay. Which I didn't love, and maybe I need to watch it again. 
Um, but it it actually that's oh, interesting. It actually has two female characters. Two who talk to each Whoa, other. Oh, it passes the Bechdel test. Do they do they talk about something uh, other than a man? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a win. Though though their re- relationship to the man is like central to their relationship to each okay. other. Um <laughs> but yeah, it takes a little bit of a different approach. Mm. Uh I don't want to say too much more. Okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, gross, weird stuff that doesn't get redeemed, but, like, he clearly loves it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I want to love true. it, too. Yeah. yeah. Right, but you need a little help from the story. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, I just sort of, like, I get a little pouty, and I'm like, why couldn't they just, like, pet the monster and, like, make a deal? Mm-hmm. Like, make... <laughs> I mean, that's what I think about, like, it, every, like, bad right, villain. I do. I want to pet all the monsters. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I, don't, I don't have a good answer to that. I, I think it's a it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point. It's a conundrum. Um, I think though, like I I think your love for Del Toro is really great, and I love that you're so enthusiastic. Oh, thank you. And I like the I like him too. I just you know I I really do, and I kind of but I feel like head scratchy a little bit. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. but what about this thing? But what about this thing? And it never kind of quite like it never quite. Get and I, it. I I wonder if part of what's going on is that he he is bringing these sort of like humanist values to genre material that isn't necessarily welcoming mm-hmm. of them. Uh, and, and like, it's sort of like Im- imposing them on them. And there ends up being like a little bit of incongruence there. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think like, and, and when he chooses to ins- like insist upon that kind of, um, I don't know, ideology is not the right word, but like sort of those set of values. And then like when it's, when he drops them and it's sort of like, but now we're just yeah. going to fight the monster or now we're just going to like yep. do, th- and you're like, why though? Right. And it's, it's like, you know, he still needs to meet the demands of the, of the genre. Yeah. 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 And, and, I, and I would say like the flip side of that is that one, in, in one of the, I guess the, the, a way of saying the same thing, but in a way that sounds positive is that I, I love that he makes genre material that doesn't deconstruct the genre, mm. um, but respects the mm-hmm. genre while also bringing ideas and different values. And That's stuff. a and really I good point. So anyway, yeah, enough about yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Uh, if you haven't watched any of his movies, what the heck are you doing? Listen to this. <laughs> um, but if you have, then I'm, I'm sure you uh, love him as much as I do or don't. Yeah. And we'd love to hear uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, hey, let's talk about community. Okay, now. we'll talk about something that I really love. I mean, I also love Del Toro, but here we go. Greendale Community College, home of the lost, the confused, the crazy, mediocre sanctuary for life's rejects, screw ups, and misfits, but also to some of the most absurd, most magical, and strangest adventures, and most affectionate, odd, and adorable friendships, alliances, and attachments ever formed. Also, the setting of one of the most original and innovative and ambitious half-hour shows on TV in the last decade and maybe ever. So it's probably clear I love Community. I think it's well-written, brilliantly performed, and perfectly combines the silly and the cynical, outrageous and absurd, and the moving and the marvelous. I actually think it epitomizes what we talked about a couple episodes ago, what the golden age of half-hour, sort of like half-hour show of television could do on its best days. And I think Community had a lot of best days. It's light, smart, weird, appealing, charming, and challenging. So it starts out as the story of seven quirky strangers becoming first a Spanish study group, then a bunch of friends, and finally a real family. 
and that their weird adventures navigating the halls of Greendale would have been good enough, funny, odd, and sympathetic. But by the end of season one, with episodes like The Science of Illusion, which I don't think I assigned to you, but it's really good, um, Contemporary American Poultry, and the breakout episode Modern Warfare, often referred to as the paintball one, uh, community suddenly started doing more. Uh, not just a spoof or pastiche, the show was stretching and morphing to become imaginative and surprising in ways that most other shows never do beyond the occasional um, satirical one-off. And I guess I would say, like, except The Simpsons, right, which like does all this weird stuff all the time. Um, season two saw it get more and more bonkers with the bizarre and dizzying conspiracy theories and interior design, a claymation Christmas special, and by the time season three's remedial chaos theory rolled around, community had effectively snapped the tether of what you could expect conventional um, TV narratives to do. With practically every episode, community was pushing the envelope and reinventing what a TV show was and could be. I've said all this, and I haven't even started on my fondness for each of the characters and for their heartfelt but kind of dysfunctional bonds, which surely remind me a little of my own college family. So I hope you <laughs> won't tell me why I'm wrong, but I can't wait to hear what you thought. Uh, I'm, I'm really ambivalent about this yeah. show. Um, at its best moments, it's funny and charming and heartwarming. Mm-hmm. At its worst moments, it's smug and... You think it's smug? I think there are several several points in in the episodes that I saw where I felt like the the show was more interested in being clever than in being funny Hmm. or more interested in being clever than in telling a story or in the characters. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's really about the story. I think it's about the... I think it's about the form. Like, I think that the show becomes well, really yeah. interested in doing we- doing whatever it can with a half hour of television, which I love because I love and, I mean, the medium. So, <laughs> which you hate. So, I, so okay, I, there's like a problem. There. I don't. I don't. Yeah, but you know, I I appreciate the formal inventiveness, but it just it see uh, at times it just it felt kind of masturbatory. Really? That's yeah. Like oh, like. Check out this interesting thing we're doing. Well, I did. I mean, to be fair, I did pick like some of the most sort of like ambitious and original weird ones, right? Like, so when you watch it, like if you actually were to watch it sort of in order, those, those are sort of studded in there. And a lot of it is really about the relationships and the kind of growing of those friendships. And, but it's interesting because when I watch the show, I always think like Amos would really love this. Like these characters are so weird and funny and charming. And like, there's all this weird cuckoo stuff going on. And, um, all these, like, I know that like one of the critiques of the show is that it's too self-referential or too, too referential, but I feel like, you know, I'm like that, that's really like appealing and fun. And for people who like to catch references, like I sort of thought like, Oh, I find it it tedious. I find, I find all the references tedious. I'm like, yep, I get it. You know about pop culture. I get it. I know about pop culture too. Aren't aren't we clever? Mm. You know, I feel like it's, it's flattering the audience. Flattering them. Yeah. Right. Cause you, you, you watch the show, you catch all the references and you're like, I'm so smart. Cause I caught these references. I, I'm I'm sounding more negative than than I mean to be. I, I like I feel like that's that's like at its worst mm-hmm. moments. I feel like I feel like that's that's my reaction to it. But again, like uh, over the episodes that I did watch, I did find myself getting pulled in more and more by the characters, and especially in in remedial chaos yeah, theory. Yeah, it's a great one. Uh, that was that it was, and in in at first I was like, oh Christ, like a uh, um uh, uh, we're, we're really gonna do this six versions of the same 
thing. Like I, I, I really thought it was going to be, you know, he, he throws the die mm-hmm, yeah. and, and, and yeah, you get the, the different, uh, different uh, timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, which do come on, back. On like the, the darkest timeline is sort of like then for the rest of the show, like always sort of running alongside, which is, I think really oh, cool. Really interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it like occasionally sort of like the darkest timeline kind of like it, it juts back in and you have to like deal with whatever's happening there. And of course there's like oh, all kind, kind of, of in Abed's head and his own kind of like emotional breakdown that's happening. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. But that, that was the first one where I really, I mean, uh, that was the first one where I really laughed, mm-hmm. like instead of just sort of chuckling mm-hmm. at something what that was clever. What did you laugh at? Oh, it was the, um, it was the darkest timeline. Yeah when um pierce gets shot in the leg (laughs) and the apartment lights uh, on fire yep and it's it was it was really it was when troy sees the um, (laughs) The norwegian troll troll, (laughs) and he he just like zooms in on his face i snorted coffee up my nose there's like there's Uh, a lot of moments where i mean um uh where it's just troy sort of like screaming or freaking out that are like really kind of amazing and wonderful and like the the physical mm-hmm. comedy of donald glover in those moments yeah. is and really obviously amazing. donald glover is ridiculously he's talented. fabulous he's he's gone on to conquer the world right. since since being on the show and and good for him because he really is great mm-hmm. um that guy who plays uh pierce he's funny i i, <laughs> I would expect to see him in some more stuff so okay and you don't like like pop cultural references on community you're flattering I, I just, our find- audience right now I find it tedious. Mm, mm-hmm. I just, it's like, you can do a little bit of that stuff and it can be funny, but if that's like the whole premise of the show, which I, I okay, that's an exaggeration. Yeah. I, but I'm just like, but it's all situated like, because uh, I mean, I think it's like, because of who Abed is, it's sort of like, they're, they're all tired of it too. Right. Like there's all these moments where like, uh, like Jeff gets really frustrated and says something about like, can you can like the story like right. has its head up its own ass or something. And it's like, just, yeah. And that's how I feel, but it doesn't get me, doesn't get the show's head out of its well, ass. Sure. Well, sure. You know what I mean? Like Jeff commenting on it is just like, right. So you knew what you were doing and you did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm just like, okay, just like, I don't know. There's just, there's just something. It's just, it's, it's too, it's just a little bit too self-conscious for me. So, okay. So here I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a different show that I have a different reaction mm. to, but I, that I think got a lot of the same criticisms that I'm making of mm. community. And I want to explore why my relationship to that show is different. Okay. And can you guess what show no. that is? Arrested development. Mm. Okay. I like them right. both. Also. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're different obviously in a I lot of ways, but they have is sim- so much kinder and gentler as a show though. Like, I like really feel affection for all of those characters and the arrested development characters just got worse and worse and more and more (laughs) unlikable. And then like, eventually they were all just so terrible. I didn't care anymore. Yeah. I mean, I did watch it when it came back. I do love Buster. Oh, I, 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 have, I haven't watched There's any There's a moment of the where Michael just, for, like, for sells out. And, like, I don't mean that he sells out the character. I mean that the show sells him out. And it's sort of like, we're going to make him horrible now, too. And I just was like, okay, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, f- fair enough. I, I don't think season three is, is great, which was why I never mm-hmm. watched any of the Netflix stuff. I mean, the Netflix thing is, like, so complicated and, and ambitious that, like, you know, you have to admire it. But I think, again, like, it fails emotionally because you're like, I don't care. Like, these people are terrible. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, I, I mean, like, I guess they are terrible. I, I feel like the show 
kind of loves them though, mm-hmm. even though they're mm-hmm. terrible. It, but I but I think the criticism that a lot of people made obviously was that the, the characters were all very unlikable. I really like the show. Like, I don't mean to like do a, like a community versus Arrested Development thing because, no. but I do love community a lot more. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, yeah, so I guess, but I, I just kept thinking about Arrested Development. And like, okay. Well, that's a show that's obviously like very quote unquote clever and I think formally innovative Absolutely. in a different sort of yeah, way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with characters who are like a little bit hard to get into, which which I I found the community characters hard to. That's so interesting because I just like find like, them but, charming immediately. I love them. And again, it's like there's something about the cleverness of it all that just sort of like kept me at arm's length from the characters. Like until I started getting into that uh, remedial chaos theory, uh, where by the end of that I was feeling some affection for them. But then I kind of felt like maybe I was being a chump for feeling affection for them. Because, like, the end of that episode, <laughs> I mean, it's just or not like the very end, but like Abed grabs the die and then he's like, it's, you know, what's really important is just that we love each other for our flaws and all that. Like, it was just like so on the nose, which I guess is, is I mean, the that point, is the point. But... And, and, and someone makes that speech pretty much every every episode. And so there's that great one where it's um, Paradigms of Human Memory and you sort of get like Jeff's speech like chopped up from all these different times that he makes the speech about how like we need to be a community, <laughs> we need to care about each other and it becomes more and more incoherent and ridiculous. I mean, it's just like, oh, it's funny. so great. It's so funny. Um, yeah. So, you know, in some ways I feel like it's a, it's a show that I admire more than enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like that was sure. how I felt watching, um, I forget what it was called. The, the, uh, feathers and pillows, pillows and feathers. <laughs> I thought you would love that one. Cause you love to make I, fun like, of the civil war. I do, <laughs> but I got war. the joke in like the first 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, but then it gets funnier and sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find this really interesting. Like I, I think it's mm, like, wow, this is so interesting because like you're annoyed that the show is too clever, but like, and like not sincere enough, but then like sometimes too sincere. It sounds like it's no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's because like, because of like this tone of sort of like smirking cleverness which i don't i don't sense. feel like that's present i don't think it's a smirking cleverness but it's okay so well, that's, that's, that's maybe how you not feel. right yeah i'm not sure that's how i feel but but the 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 quote-unquote sincerity doesn't feel doesn't always feel sincere mm-hmm. like it feels it feels a little manipulative that's so interesting i mean i think it probably any work of art is going to be a little bit manipulative in that way right but like I mean, if you mean that, like, we have emotional responses to works of art, and they might be the emotional response that the the creator yeah. was going for, well, sh- sure. Right. I, I guess unearned maybe is a better word than manipulative. <laughs> it's so funny because you're making the same critique that, like, Abed would make, right? Like, in the in the Halloween one where they all tell a scary story and he says, like, only when it was earned. It's so funny. You're Abed. You're, like, you're, like, so mad that it's not as good as it should have been or something like that. It's, like, too it's too clever. Um, but it's interesting cause I feel like, um, with del Toro, like, um, there's, there, there's like a, there's an intelligence and there's like a creativity and an innovativeness, but like at the same time, I mean, as you said, there's sort of like an embrace of genre. I don't know. In some ways, like you could, yeah. you could say very similar things about, I mean, there's such different products, but, but like, but del Toro doesn't, 
doesn't wink at you. He he never winks at the audience. Yeah. When he's embracing genre conventions, he's doing it wholeheartedly. And he's not just, he's not like, uh, yeah, he's not winking at the audience. And this, this show just felt like a constant series of winks. Yeah, maybe. I mean, but then I feel connected to it as the audience. I'm like, oh, we're in on this joke together. I feel included. I feel like I'm part of this, this joke that's being played. And like with a genre movie, uh, like that's a superhero type movie, or maybe there's a different name for it. Like I never feel included. I feel totally like I'm just, well, who cares? Because it's not my kind of movie. So I'm not going to go and see it anyway. So I don't need to be courted. But Del Toro sort of tries to bring you along because he's like, I want to be smarter than these like regular ones that are just sort of like, you know, bashing and slashing. Um, Hmm. And yet at the same time, like I could, if I wanted to work myself up into a froth, I could say like, but it's, but at the end Hmm. he doesn't bring me along because like, he doesn't actually care enough to develop these things that I'm interested in. Like he loves his monsters and I start to love them too, but he doesn't redeem them. He like includes a woman, but only one, you know, like I could say similar stuff, but like I don't because I understand that this movie sort of isn't really for me in the first place, but I feel like community is like totally tailor made for me. And it sounds like you don't like that. I don't like this. Taylor. <laughs> I mean, that's my complaint. I'm like, God damn it. Sophie shouldn't have shows made for no, her. No. And this I one mean, like, is. And that's- you don't like that. Like the show is trying to get you the audience to be like, ha ha. This is a funny like joke that we had together. You're like, Oh, stop winking at me. I don't want to I, pretend yeah. I'm not here. Just right. You just don't tell want a funny joke and I'll be, laugh at you it. You don't want the fourth yeah, wall to I don't need to you to broken. tell me to laugh at it. You love the fourth wall too much. I, yes, please, please do not break the fourth wall. It's there for a reason. So I completely disagree, but that's like a, a whole other story. Because you know you're I, watching a movie. Like, how can you not know? I mean, we're all, or like, or like a play. Like, of course, you're sitting in the audience and like you could run up on stage and like do like disrupt the whole thing, but you don't because no, because you would smash your face on the fourth wall. <laughs> But it's interesting, isn't it? Because then you like, you also really like to read about things. And you said earlier in our conversation, like, oh, but the toad, like, actually, that was sort of like, it's a weaker moment because it was like a a scene that they had to redo. Like, Mm -hmm. so you're interested, like, you will break the fourth wall enough to find out details about the filmmaker and about the process, but you don't Mm -hmm. want the filmmaker to acknowledge you. Right. That's so interesting. Right. Uh, Yeah. And, and I mean, this is like a pretty consistent thing for me and and maybe this is just like like i tend to live in my head a lot anyway so when i'm watching a movie or watching tv i feel like i don't need like i analyze stuff all the time and i don't need a show or a movie to to like pull me out Ah, and make me reflect you're not a brechtian i need like i i want to be absorbed but that's not good art but I'll like I'll stop and think like I'll think about it afterward and I'll analyze. You it. will, but not everyone will. And the point, okay, right? right? And like, but I'm just like I'm talking about the stuff that I like yeah, that I want. But though. like the reason that you would break that fourth wall and ask people to think in the moment is that lots of people won't unless they're okay. asked to. Yeah, that's I mean cool. that's what Epic Theater. They is. can they can watch Community and I'll watch <laughs> Guillermo del Toro movies. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's interesting, but you know, like I said, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm coming off more negative than I actually felt toward it. Uh, I guess to just sort of draw a contrast mm-hmm. and there, you know, the, like I did find myself getting involved in the characters and, and maybe this is something where I just, you know, need to watch more of the show. Well, I mean, you're not going to watch to, more of the show, right? <laughs> I might, I, I might, I, I actually, I actually might. Um, I really liked, um, 
Trudy. Hmm? Uh, <laughs> I kept calling her Trudy because that's who she was on Mad Men. I don't know. I didn't watch uh, Mad Men. Annie? Anne? Annie. Annie. Annie's great. Yeah. Annie's great. I mean. She plays. Yeah. She plays Trudy. On, and on Shirley. I mean, the episodes I pick don't give you very much of Shirley, which makes me really sad because she's actually my favorite character. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. that. And I, I, I wasn't seeing it in the in the episode so great because she's like so rigid and yet like so loving and so funny and she um i i don't know and that performance by yvette nicole brown is so good um yeah she's just she's great and like her relationships with the others are, are like so interesting because she's the only one of them who has any kind of family of her own that's separate from this group and so then the relationships right. that she right. makes with them are sort of you know, it's not sort of like I'm grasping for anyone that I can be friends with. Like she has her life and yet like she makes these bonds like when like she and she has very weird little bond. like her friendship with Annie is so interesting. But like but then like her weird bond with Abed is adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And and I think I mean, I think there is something interesting about a show that includes like like that the main group includs like middle aged people. Oh, uh-huh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and then, like that first like, episode I think, I think cool. where the dean is sort of like, uh, like you might think community college is only for like sad divorcees and like old people and co- high school dropouts, oh, right, right, right. right? And like that's sort of each of them. They're you know like, uh, and they're all kind of like shit. That's me, right? Yeah, and I so I I thought I think there's something something cool about the show, like having having. Uh, a really diverse mm-hmm. group of characters. It's a diverse and in, in interesting ways mm-hmm. that you don't often see on mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. I think especially at the time, I mean, I think it's more common now, but mm-hmm. especially when the show began, that was not as common. But even, even now, like, I think you would probably have a, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't watch a ton of TV, but I think you would have a hard time finding a, a show that includes like, a single mom hanging out with beautiful 20 somethings. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, unless she like, herself just, just is a beautiful 20 something. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm talking like like a 40 something year yeah. or late 30s yeah. single mom hanging out with with beautiful uh, mid 20s people. Right. Like I, I just don't think you see that very well, much I mean, on right. TV. So it's not just the, like the yeah. Well, Troy, right. so Abed, and Annie are all sort of like uh traditionally college aged and and then like nobody else is. I couldn't tell how old Annie was supposed to Annie's be. The same age as Troy. She went to high school with him. Oh, okay. Okay. So she's, she's, okay. So she's quite young. Mm-hmm. Then. Right. And that's why like her. And I also couldn't quite figure out why she was there. Annie? And maybe, yeah, maybe I missed it. Like. Cause she, cause she got, she like had a breakdown and lost her scholarship. Oh, is that mm-hmm. what it was? Okay. Yeah. She got okay, she, Annie that. Adderall. she got addicted to pills and like but yeah i mean she's i i also think like i didn't have you watch the first um the first christmas special or holiday special where it becomes clear that they're all like they all have very different religious backgrounds and shirley kind of like can't handle it like she just wants them all to be good christians and like she's just it's like it's it's just she can't do it and then but she eventually gets there through um through violence actually through like a big fight they have with the school bullies um but like the greatest moment like when when she has a holiday party and annie they all are like going to bring sort of like something to party and annie brings her brings a menorah and shirley looks at her and says very sweetly but like obviously very judgmentally like oh is that your hanukkah holder (laughs) oh amazing (laughs) yeah so i agree there's like a lot about their own positionality that uh that you don't see very much on tv yeah and also like like annie 
Annie is Jewish, but her dad is not Jewish. And Abed, right, like his whole sort of thing is like that his mom left him and she's Polish and not a Muslim. And so like nobody is sort of just like the stock token. Like everybody has sort of like this complicated relationship to their own identity. And I think that's really fun and really mm-hmm. valuable. And I like yeah, it a lot. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I like that, that aspect. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. Did did you ever watch uh, Magic Mike XXL? No. Okay, I I that's that's on my list for future homework. Mm. If we if we do this yeah. again, yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. I think that there could be Magic Mike XXL. No future homework assignments. No, I think of, I think I would about try Magic to find Mike you something XXL you like better than Magic Mike no. XXL. Good luck, because that movie's amazing. <laughs> then Community, which I thought was going to be such a oh. home run, because I mean, let's just be personal for one second. I mean, did oh, you okay. not? feel an affinity with this group of weirdos because you in fact in college were part of a group of weirdos <laughs> okay are you ready for some for some real talk sophie i, I did feel some affinity uh-huh. uh but w- one of the things that i found annoying about our group of weirdos in mm. college was like constant weird- constant <laughs> reference humor <laughs> I'm like, guys, just drop it with a like it's not a joke just because you made a reference like that's not a joke. <laughs> That's amazing. I never knew so, that. So, so, so yes, Sophie, I did. So you're, so you're I did an feel outcast that. from our, I should have assigned this to everyone else I know who probably already loves they it. They would have loved already it. Love it. Yeah. They already watched they probably all do. episodes 50 times. So some truth coming yeah, out today. Yeah, that is truthy. Yep. I, yeah, I get, I get annoyed with reference humor. That's so interesting because you love the Iliad. Yeah. That's all it is. Just references. Just like, ooh, ooh, let me, let me say cow-faced Hera and then you'll know which one I mean. Uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe not no, quite not the same thing. No, not at all the same. I was really like going for something and completely flubbed it. No. But I mean, there's a difference between, we've talked about this, right? Like way back in the poetry episode where you were like, poetry is too difficult because you have to get all the references. What do you have yeah. against references, man? They're stupid. But Pan's Labyrinth is full of references. Everything in that is a it, reference. It it is, but they're not winking references. I guess that's the difference. I'm fine with references. References are cool. I like references and and you know, I was I was, you know, being a jerk on that poetry episode just to be provocative. <laughs> um and but I I mean I think there's well, let's 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 back up a little bit. There's a difference between something having references that add a layer of richness and meaning and something having references that you need to understand in order to make heads or tails of it. Yeah. Uh like that's those are different things and there's a difference between having references and having like winking references where the the work is like constantly elbowing you in the ribs to be like see i made a reference did you get it did you get the reference i made here's another one did you get that one um in the and that those are different things so i just wouldn't so characterize I'm, it that way but i i understand that that's how it feels to you because you need your your thick four foot plate glass fourth wall to keep you safe from exactly. art <laughs> exactly <laughs> or keep Please. the art safe from you fourth wall protect me from the art <laughs> it hurts my Help eyes me, fourth wall. it makes me think about i don't want to feel or think <laughs> well that's what's interesting like I, like so oh it's so fascinating we're going way over time but like one thing that i think is really interesting is that like we're gonna cut most of this <laughs> all my points will be gone um mm-hmm. especially anything you said smart gone <laughs> To the cutting yeah. room floor. But, like, when I watch a movie, like, I mean, I don't know. Now I'm sounding more critical because I like Pacific Ring. But, like, you realize that, like, whenever a fight scene star- star- starts, I'm out. I'm like, I'm going to check my email. Even the, like, even the Hong care. Kong fight scene, which is amazing. I don't even know which one that was. The, I don't, like, 
that's interesting. For, the middle, the middle, the middle one me, where they're in the city. For me, I, like that's the moment okay, where I, like, we, I don't care anymore, and so it does like pull even me the out. Part, even, what about the part where the the kaiju? Uh, I think it's otaku grabs grabs Gypsy Danger and starts flying, and you're like, "Holy shit, they can fly!" Um, I was a little bit like, "Oh, cool, they can fly," but I mean, huh. I just took my breath away. I, I think that's great. And I think it's great that you can like be so immersed and so kind of like enchanted. And I, I do chase that feeling. I think we all do, right? Like that's why I read novels. Mm. Like I love a good novel mm. where you sort of go in and it's like the door shuts behind you and you're just in it. Mm-hmm. But like I I I think it's interesting because the way we talk about something like the fourth wall is is like so about the acknowledgement of the audience. But, like, in some way, right, and, like, you're, like, I don't want to be pulled out of it. But, like, every time the fight scene starts, I'm already out. I'm, like, I don't care what happens. Yeah. At the end of well, this, different... nothing will be di- – first of all, you can see the plot twist coming, like, a mile down the road. So you know who's going to be dead. You're, like, oh, yeah, that guy's goner. But – so then it's, like, why watch? Like, whatever. It feels interminable. And yet, like – and yet, I don't know, it's sort of, like, standard – is that's immersive and like Abed making a funny joke that's a reference is like is, is like the opposite of that. Whereas I feel included. Yeah, well, I'm like, oh, haha, like I'm, I like this. Like it's silly and it's cute and it's funny and I get it. Or like maybe I don't get it. And I'm like, okay, that one went by me. But, you know, I, I, I think it's really interesting the different terms we use to like explain our feelings about these things. Well, I mean, I would like, I guess, I guess different people feel immersed by different things or enfolded let's say like because because Mm -hmm. i'm not immersed when i'm watching community necessarily but i do feel included and i feel like clicked in or like tuned in and i guess those are those are different things they are yeah immersion and inclusion and and i think it's it can be hard to be immersed if you are not if you don't also feel i think that's right yeah yeah and that would be right if you feel like you're not welcome in the movie then it's hard to feel sure sure and that's like my critique of lord of the rings or something i'm like oh some more dudes i don't care a lot of dudes in that movie and they they need to wash their hair and get some they do and their beards too and also like i feel a little like i'm a little like nervous about the well whatever there's we could talk about that later the dwarves i'm worried about about the the whole like oh they need money and they have no homeland okay Oh, that is concerning. <laughs> really makes me. I'm like, I'm, I'm on notice. I'm like, whoa. Okay, really. Yeah. And and let's be honest. There's there's nothing else <laughs> in in Lord of the Rings that will make you feel better about the racial uh, nothing politics. Nothing. And um, that's not the only one. That's just the you know the one I thought of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, what was it? Oh, yeah. I mean, just fight scenes. Like, I I I feel um unimmersed and alienated by lots of mm, fight scenes mm-hmm. and lots of things where like if they're not done well then i i uh i just feel like like they end up just being sort of like confusing they're, and can annoying. Be very and confusing. I think yeah this thing happened uh i actually blame it on the born supremacy i don't think i've seen that one it's the second oh one. i don't like it's that not one. As as oh, yeah, it's not as good as the first it's not as good as my favorite character in the first 10 minutes oh, spoilers right. yeah, yeah, yeah. but but doug doug lyman the director of of the uh second like the the second third and fourth of the matt damon born movies um he does this handheld very confusing lots of very very quick cut fight scenes and he's really good at it and he pulls it off and he and he does that that sort of quick cut chaotic fight scene in a way where you can you can tell what's going on 
like it's quick and it's chaotic yep. and that like tells you something sure. about what a fight is like and it gives you mm-hmm. this, a certain emotional response where it is confusing but also but also you can tell what's happening and a bunch of other directors were like okay quick cuts got it <laughs> and started doing these garbage fight scenes where you have no idea what's going on <laughs> now i'm just on. imagining geography- a garbage fight <laughs> the 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 their uh their you no one you can't tell what's going on the geography of the fight doesn't make any sense cuz you can't tell where anyone is in relation to anyone else and uh for me like as someone who cares about action mm-hmm. movies and genre movies like i find those really offensive mm, that's so and, interesting and and, and, and that's so interesting and I, get, and I get bored with those cuz i'm like i can't tell what's going on here this is boring I, and right and that's like kind of my Initial response sort of to, yeah, to all yeah, 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 or yeah, all yeah. action movies. No, and I get that. But at the same yeah, time, yeah, I mean, what's I, interesting I is like what you're sort of saying is no, but there's there's different types, there's different mm-hmm. species, there's different. What- but I get if if you don't, and I don't mean this to sound condescending, but like if you don't know the cinematic language, then even the quote unquote well executed ones are going to be confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is there is an idiom. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. No. No. And, that's that's. And true. if you don't care about the movie at all, then you're never going to learn the idiom. Yeah. And but I right. Exactly. And if you don't have a reason, maybe Wonder Woman will change our minds. Like if you don't have a reason yeah, we'll to care, then you're not like you're not going to stay around to learn the conventions. Right. Um, right. But it's interesting, like uh, that you use the word alienated, because, again, this comes back to the fourth wall. And I think like actually there's something to be said for being alienated from the thing that you're watching. Because that's a technique that some people use <laughs> to, okay. to make to make you experience the art in a certain way. Um, yeah, which is political. And so and not that I think community necessarily is, um, but in some ways it is. I mean, some of the things that you're talking about in terms of like casting and the identity of the characters, I think does have a political point to I make. I don't think you can set a show like where the show is set in community college mm-hmm. without making it political. Ooh, say more about that. Well, look, um, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the vast majority of college students in the U.S. are not attending um, selective institutions. Mm-hmm. They're going to community college mm-hmm. and other non-selective colleges, mm-hmm. uh, and yet they're essentially invisible yep. from popular yep. culture. Yeah, right. Like, like all essentially all representations of college in in popular culture are at Yale, basically. Yeah. Selective institutions, you know, uh, yeah, right. Either like selective, prestigious private mm-hmm. colleges, or at least like flagship public yep, colleges absolutely. or right. universities. Yep, yep. And I think the thing that's great about the show and, is like, and that is just not at all representative of the experience of of the vast majority of of college. I think students that's in the US. I think that's right. I think it's also you know at the same time I love that Greendale is such a piece of crap. Like like it, it yeah. like it's it's like the dean is such I mean I love the dick. dean but like he's a bad dean and he's worried he's going to be a bad dean. And like what And I like that they call him that. The dean. They call him bad dean. Yeah. Or horrible horrible dean I think I think Jeff calls him. Yeah. And it, it was like hey they're horrible horrible, horrible dean. dean but like they are I, I love that it becomes a magical space. You know like it, it's sort of a crappy school and like the rival community college is also a crappy school and but maybe somewhat less somewhat crappy. less crappy and so then there's like this sort of like yeah inferiority complex is just funny and yeah. but it becomes this space like i think it's the, the third episode maybe where where they hold the trial for britta in the pool <laughs> which is like my favorite thing that ever happens in the the judges table for the like their olympic sized pool that they spent all this money on and jeff is sort of like if you 
are crazy and mediocre and you get can't be at Greendale, where can you go? Like it is a sort of space for everyone. And then it becomes a right. magical space where like all these weird things happen and it becomes kind of like just I don't know. I mean, I love that they make the pillow town and then there's like the like he's, oh it's, it's through, like he's he's in the turkish district you know like everyone's sort of hanging out and smoking hookahs or something and like i right. love that it becomes this like completely creative imaginative space where you can do anything because um even though it's like not a prestigious college in some ways that is what like college should be i don't know and i've never thought of it that way before but maybe that's how i think about it yeah yeah and yet like their teachers like i love this scene i don't know if you saw this one where like they try to prank chang by by making him think that like cornell wants him to come and be a professor there and he and he doesn't buy it he's like he like goes along with it for a second just to make fun of them and he's like you why would you think that i would fall for this like i have a master's degree in spanish and i teach at a community college like there's no way they're calling me to do this job and it's it's so great you know it's like yeah yeah i we should i mean i i can't believe this is the first time we've mentioned senor chang who i think is a real highlight of the show absolutely Ken Ken Jeong is 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 brilliant. It's a, it's, and, it's um, an amazing performance and like so uncomfortable. And you're sort of like, I can't believe this is yep. really happening. Oh he's he's God. he's amazing. He is amazing. And, and is like such a such a uh, misanthropic uh, guy. Yeah, really. Yeah, good. yeah. So good, so good. And I love I love the uh, John Oliver's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So like, this is a really long episode. We're gonna cut most of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm only half joking. I mean, not we're not going to cut most of this. There is a bunch of stuff we're going to. There's like a bunch of dead time in here. Yeah, cut, yeah, yeah. You know, because of our our connection. We had problems. some technical difficulties. We should put one of those like this. I really miss those like stripes with the that used to go oh, on your TV pattern. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to that? You can you can, you can probably find one in YouTube. <laughs> and that's the internet. Mm. Uh, so I guess we're stopping there. It sounds like maybe uh, we're stopping there. So so let's give a since we're talking about college and uh, we're talking about our opinions. Let's give should we give each of our homework assignments a grade? But but instead of the teacher who assigned you the thing giving you a grade, you the student have to give the source material a grade. So I have to grade community yeah. and you and grade. Don't hurt my feelings too, too much. I would give it a B plus. Oh, that's that. You know what? That's a very solid and respectable grade. I'm I'm very yeah. happy. I think, I, and you know, at the very least, you can say community. It is like no other show I've ever seen. Yeah, that's that's true. It really is doing something different, and and I don't always like what it's doing, but it's doing its own thing, and uh, and it, it feels like a um, yeah, it feels it feels like it has a, a a creative voice in a way that a lot of TV shows don't. Oh, that's so nice. That's a great summary. Oh, yeah. oh last last thing I should say is that. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo uh, directed a f- bunch uh-huh. of episodes of Community and produced yeah. a bunch. The Russo brothers. Also direct. Yes. Yep. Also directed uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, really? and Captain America Civil War. And they're directing the, the next two Avengers Interesting. movies. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's really good. And if you are going to watch more, like if you felt like it, I guess I would just say like, I would recommend sort of just watching them in order because I think I think picking that's, that's out what I'm do. I think picking out like my favorites that are the weirdest ones and like the most experimental probably like makes the winking thing which I thought you wouldn't dislike as much as you do more 
so much more obvious. And I think like if you just right. watch it develop and you sort of see the the friendships develop and the and the through line. And that's that's what I need. That's what I need from the yeah. show. I need I need to get to yeah. I like, think the that makes sense. Characters and get to know. Them. Well, I think that makes sense because that's because then when they do these sort of like weird spoofy ones, it's like it's so funny because you know they're using the characters to do these interesting things, but you know, the characters mm-hmm. well enough to sort of feel like, Oh, that's of course, surely would say that, you know, like of, of course, like this thing would happen. Yeah. Right. There's like an extra layer of the joke. It's not just like an arbitrary, uh, reference. Then there's also like the second layer of like, yeah, this, the, the, the character, Absolutely. It, not just someone. Saying and I think, it. I think sense. I thought that, that I, I thought, I thought that maybe this is where you were going with liking remedial chaos theory, because I think what happens in that episode is that, um, each of those six different timelines shows you something about who the characters are when one of them's not mm-hmm. around, right? Like, so, like, in the end, right. the last one, when Jeff isn't there, everybody's so much happier because he's right. the sort of cynical one who, like, you know, he, like, tells Britta not to sing. And, and But but yep. when he's not there, they all are having a dance party, and it's super great. And, and he comes back, and he thinks that everything's gone to shit because yeah. he wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. And yet, like, he kind of then rejoins and is like, no, this is this is good. And so... Yeah. yeah, but you sort of only know. I mean, I think you see that more the more you know the characters. Um, totally makes sense. I, I think I would. I, it would be hard for me to decide between a B plus or and an A minus for these for the three. You know, because like so that's like a collective grade, or do you, do you want to grade each of them separately? Collective. Grade them, grade them separately because you had different responses to them. Oh man, I mean Hellboy. It's hard for me to give a bad grade to because I like it so much. Although the the third time through, I was not. I was. I don't know. I wasn't as immersed. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't grade them all separately. I don't know. Pan- Pan's okay. Labyrinth, I, I, uh, uh, it's so ambitious that I want to give it a good grade, but then I just didn't, I didn't, I, uh, I, the execution didn't do it for me, but I really like, I yeah. mean, I really like Pacific Rim. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So B, B minus A yeah. plus. Nope. Or B, B plus A <laughs> yep, minus. Yep. B plus A minus collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Some, somewhere in and there. And hey, listeners, you want to grade these things too? You could, you could tell us about it. We like getting yep. mail. We do. Oh, I should check the mail. I haven't checked it for yeah, a while. Yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Amos Worth. You can follow the show at TMWIW Podcast. You can go to our website, TMWIW.net. Um, you can see all the shows. You can see show notes for the shows. That's uh, like links for mm-hmm. some of the stuff we talk about. You can send us feedback. Um you can look at pretty pictures of us. <laughs> I guess that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And our next episode is going to be great too. Oh yeah. I'm excited. I'm for really that excited one. for that one. Uh, okay. Well, uh, until next time. Have fun. Bye. Bye.